Hi, and welcome to episode one of my podcast. My name's Dr. Sahar Roket, and I'm a GP, and I specialize in hormone medicine and integrative medicine. So you might be wondering what that even means. So I try to look at things from a holistic perspective. I like to look at lifestyle and lifestyle choices and how they impact our health. And I also like to try and find the root cause of what's going on with the person. So that leads me to look at lots of different modalities, such as exercise, nutrition, how you manage your stress, gut health, and of course, hormones. So I've been a GP for over 10 years. And before that, I did lots of hospital medicine, including three years of psychiatry, because I'm fascinated by the mind and body connection. And... I never quite found a job where I kind of felt like I'd found my place. I found it very difficult because in psychiatry, we focus just on the mind. But of course, the body plays a part in how we're feeling. And in other fields of medicine, we weren't really looking at the whole picture and just focusing on one issue at a time. And it didn't seem a very joined up approach. When I learned about integrative medicine and functional medicine, it seemed to be the missing piece of the puzzle for me. I then learned about hormones a few years later, and that really was a light bulb moment for me. That really made me feel like this is the missing piece of the puzzle. I see patients who are motivated, who are looking after their health and their diet and their exercise and taking supplements, but they're still feeling bad. And I realized then that hormones are the foundation to health. If you're making a building, if you're in construction, and you've got the best bricks in the world and the best builders, but your foundations are shaky, your building isn't going to work. And it's the same with your health. If your hormones are shaky, things aren't really going to work for you. So I've now been working in the field of hormones for about 10 years, and I've had the privilege of seeing thousands of patients who shared their stories with me. It ranges from menopause and perimenopause to fertility issues, Issues with things like fibroids, period problems, seeing men with testosterone issues. But really the best bit about my job is hearing the stories of people about how I've managed to help them really turn around their lives in terms of, of their relationships, their jobs, their confidence, their body shape, their moods, their sleep and the impact that's had on them and the people in their lives as well. So it's a real privilege to do my job. And I'm going to share with you stories of men and women of all ages and how we've worked together to solve their hormone issues and improve their quality of life. And I hope that it's inspiring for you and it helps you on your own path and journey also. I always say to my patients, I don't do anything with patients that I don't do for myself. So I thought today I'd share with you my own hormone story. I didn't really realise I really had any hormonal issues really up until I started doing this work. Like many people, it isn't something we're necessarily taught. Um, of course, as women, we learn about periods and, and issues with that. But we only ever really think about hormones when it comes to starting your period, fertility and then menopause. I had no idea how much hormones were ruling my life. I started my period when I was quite young at 11 and I always had really painful and heavy periods. And I particularly remember at uni having to take a couple of days off during my period and just being in bed. And I remembered one of my um, friends saying to me who I lived with, 
What are you going to do when you have to work? You can't just keep taking days off every month. And that was the first time I really thought that there could be a problem there. Before that, I was taking strong cocodamol to manage my pain. Like I said, going to bed and just kind of thinking this is just part of being a woman and I've just kind of got to deal with it. I didn't particularly want to take the oral contraceptive pill at that point because that felt a bit too invasive and unnatural for me. So I was just being a bit of a martyr and struggling on. I think the biggest thing I didn't realise is how much my cycle was affecting my moods. And I can see it now that I look back. But I was definitely very low around my period. Um, Probably quite difficult to be around, if I'm being honest, for a week or so. And... I, again, I never really put two and two together and thought that the hormones could be causing these issues. I particularly remember after finishing finals exams, everybody went out. And of course, I was invited and all my housemates went, but I chose not to go. And the reason I chose not to go is because I felt fat and ugly and unattractive and not good company. And I didn't want to be around anyone. And I just took to bed, actually, and missed one of the funnest nights of the year, probably, for that reason. And that was because I was premenstrual. I now know that. But at the time, I just felt really low and depressed and felt like there was something wrong with me. I had no idea that the hormones were affecting me in this way. I started working at a hormone clinic in London in around 2014. And again, being around the hormones all the time and hearing people's stories, I thought perhaps there was something going on that I needed to look into. But one day I was talking to my colleague and I got quite tearful for no real reason. And my colleague literally grabbed my arm and said, right, we are doing your blood tests today. Enough is enough. And I'm really glad she did because I'd been a bit nervous to to look at my own hormones. And at that point, I didn't really want to treat myself either. So we did my hormones. We looked at my balance of estrogen and progesterone, which needed a bit of work. And I think the most surprising thing for me was that my vitamin D was practically zero. Vitamin D, despite being called a vitamin, is actually a hormone and our bodies make it from sunlight. And I remembered being surprised because it was at the end of summer and I'd had a lot of warm, sunny holidays, but my vitamin D was still really low. And sometimes people of a darker skin tone just don't make vitamin D even though they're in the sun. And since then, I realised that the vitamin D is so important for me. It massively affects my mood and my energy and my muscle aches. I was initially just taking it in the winter, but I've since realised through testing I actually need to take it all year round to have good levels. And that is an essential for me. Since the pandemic, we've learnt that vitamin D is really important for our immune systems as well, as there's been some research around that. So I definitely recommend, if you're not feeling good and feeling a bit low, to get your vitamin D level checked because it's really, really important. Something else my blood test showed was that I had quite high estrogens. Now, this is actually more common than you think, and it causes weight gain, irregular moods, highs and lows, can cause breast tenderness, can cause you to feel a bit irritable, you can feel a bit hotter in your temperature. And once I realised that, again, it made perfect sense to me. It was very difficult for me to lose weight, really hard for me to control my moods and my emotions and my highs and my lows. I generally felt really good during ovulation, which is in the middle of your cycle. And the rest of the time, I was just really feeling like I was wading through treacle most of the time, if I'm being perfectly honest. And again, I didn't really think much of it because I thought it was all just part of being a woman. You get highs, you get lows, you get mood swings, you get your period, you feel a bit better. 
Then you feel a bit worse and that's just normal part of life. But now I look back, it really was affecting my emotions. It was, like I said before, probably very difficult for people to be around me. And I know it definitely caused mood swings, anger outbursts and low energy. You know, I'd go through phases of feeling great and working out and then different times of just feeling absolutely horrendous and hating myself and lying in bed and eating badly and going and doing other self-destructive habits that didn't really help me or suit me at all. So since then, I've had to really work on my oestrogen metabolism. For a while, I took the pill and that did because the pill suppresses your own hormones, it really did help on my weight loss. And I had consistent energy and consistent mood. But one thing I missed is that I wasn't getting that ovulation high mid-cycle, where I really was at my best in terms of my focus, my concentration. I felt really good. I felt really energized to the gym. And I was also really creative at that time of the month. I had great ideas and I had the energy to to also put them into action. But then, of course, it was followed by the lows. So I was glad not to have the lows and I was glad my mood was a bit more stable, but I also missed that creativity. So I decided to stop the pill after a while and work on my estrogen metabolism. So the way I've done that is by doing loads and loads and loads of testing. So I've done some gene testing, which shows I don't methylate well. What does that even mean? Well, what that means is that methylation is the process between taking B vitamins in a supplement or from our diet and conjugating them or methylating them. This is normally a genetic process. And your body can't really absorb these B vitamins unless they're methylated. So if you don't do this well, and I don't do this well, I think I only have about 30% methylation, which is a failure by uh, any sort of exam standard, then my body can't use the B vitamins to help process my female hormones, my stress hormones, help my heart health, produce antioxidants and reduce my breast cancer risk. So it's been really, really important for me to take a methylated B supplement nearly every single day. I say nearly because occasionally I forget because I'm only human, but it's definitely a staple. I take it nearly every day and I'm going to do that for the rest of my life because I know how important it is for my health, for my hormones and for my future cancer risk. And also with B vitamins, you generally feel a bit better in terms of your energy and mood anyway. I also take some other supplements for my oestrogen metabolism that help me excrete oestrogen into the right pathways. One is called DIM, which is actually from a broccoli extract. I also make sure I get lots of broccoli and cruciferous vegetables like cauliflower and kale and Brussels sprouts in my diet. And the other one's called calcium deglucurate, which works on your gut health to help you process oestrogen better. I also exercise. I sauna when I can, and I try to look after my mental health as best as possible. Talking about mental health, one of the other issues which hasn't helped my hormone balance is a high cortisol level. Cortisol is a stress hormone, and it's very hard to measure adrenaline or noradrenaline, but a lot easier to measure cortisol. So I generally do this on a saliva test for myself or with patients, or sometimes on a urine test. And I've consistently had high cortisol since I've been testing it, even at times where I feel good. And sometimes that can feel frustrating when I'm feeling like I'm doing a lot of work on my stress management. But actually, what I've realised is that stress is cumulative. 
that's not necessarily what's going on in my life now, but it could be a combination of a lifetime of stress, starting in childhood, all the different experiences I've had in life. And also, if we look at stress from a yogic perspective, our adrenals are uh, small little organs that are in our back just above our kidneys. And in yogic terms and other traditional medicines, they believe that we pass on stress through generations. So the stress our mother had was passed on to us in the womb. The stress her mother had was passed on to her. So sometimes the stress we have isn't our own. And I've always found this helpful and I've shared this with patients so that they don't feel so bad about their stress. They don't feel like they're a failure in any way. They're just processing stress and dealing with familial trauma and working on that right now. So I think that's an important way of reframing it. I do lots of things for my stress. I do mindfulness and walking and meditation and therapy and reading and podcasts. And it sounds like it's never ending. But to be honest, I get a lot out of it as well. And I prioritise my sleep now, which I never used to do. I take supplements like magnesium and ashwagandha that help process the stress hormones, as do the B vitamins as well. But I think the important thing to know is that stress isn't just about taking supplements. It really is about lifestyle changes. And the more you can work on it, the better. And the kinder you can be to yourself, the better also. So I feel like this is my lifelong journey and my, my little Achilles heel and I'm kind of okay with that. I'm working on it and I'm being kinder to myself about it. And I'm accepting that my hormones are improving. Not as quickly as I want them to, but they are improving. So I think that that's a really great place to be in. There are still more hormonal issues that I've been dealing with. Insulin resistance is another issue. As I mentioned before, the odds are stacked against me to lose weight with the high estrogen, the high cortisol that causes inflammation and makes it really hard for you to lose weight. And also a little bit of a high insulin as well. So for those of you that don't know, insulin is the hormone that our pancreas makes and it regulates our blood sugar. So I'm not a diabetic. I check my blood sugars, but I'm using a lot of insulin to keep my blood sugar normal. So what this means is that we all have a certain supply of insulin from our pancreas. And if we use it all up, then eventually we're going to become a type 2 diabetic. So I'm using a lot of insulin to keep my blood sugar normal. Insulin also causes a lot of inflammation, like cortisol and like a high estrogen. And when your body's in a state of inflammation, it's really, really hard to lose weight. So again, that's something I've been working on, looking at a lower carbohydrate, lower sugar diet, even though I love sugar, but I'm trying to be mindful about my sugar intake. And I've also been uh, looking at other ways of eating, like keto, exercising regularly, detoxifying as much as I can with things like saunas, making sure I get enough sleep. There's good research to show that if you don't get enough sleep, it pushes up your insulin, it doesn't regulate your cortisol, and it, you also don't process the food you're putting in as well, and you tend to eat more. So sleep for me is so important, and my sleep is so much better now than it was several years ago. I do sometimes use melatonin for my sleep, which is another hormone. Melatonin is a prescribed hormone in the UK, but in some countries it's over the counter. And we produce melatonin naturally in our bodies between 10pm and 2am. However, it's got to be in complete darkness, with no phones, no blue lights. So most of us probably aren't making enough melatonin to get a deep and restful sleep. So I find taking a bit of melatonin helps me get that restful sleep that I need. 
It's not for everyone, and I'd advise talking to a healthcare professional about it, as some people get side effects. But for me, it's been game-changing. As has taking ashwagandha. I love taking ashwagandha. It really calms me down. It helps me think clearer. It helps me wind down for sleep. And my life's quite busy, and it helps me manage all the things I need to do and not get stressed about it. So ashwagandha is an adaptogen. It's a herb. It's found in India. Uh, it's a really ancient plant. And it's really important for balancing your cortisol. If it's too high, it's really clever. It helps bring it down. But if it's also too low, it can bring it up a bit. So ashwagandha is one of my favourite supplements. And I do recommend it to most people to try if they feel stressed and see if it helps with them. I've also had a borderline testosterone level in the past. So that's not been helping with my energy for gym and working out and burning fat and building muscle. So that's something I've also looked at. I work out consistently now. I do a combination of weights, more relaxing exercise such as yoga, core building like Pilates. And I also try and get a bit of cardio in as well. And to motivate myself, I tend to give myself little challenges. So, I mean, I say little challenges. I'm climbing Everest Space Camp in October, allegedly. So that's quite a big challenge. But I seem to work better if I have a motivator. So that keeps me on track in terms of my exercise, my diet, making sure my body's healthy, keeping me on track. So I've got to say... Since I've been doing this work, I feel so much better now I understand my own hormones. And I think the fact that I've had hormonal difficulties makes me a better doctor because I then understand how people feel when they come into clinic. I can relate more to them. I can understand their journey. If they're telling me about how they feel premenstrually, I can understand that. If they're telling me about highs and lows, I get that. And I think it's a real privilege to work with the people I work with and be able to support them on their hormone journeys. For myself, I feel my energy and my mood and my sleep is probably the best it's ever been right now in my early 40s. So it's taken me a while to figure out these things. The other thing I feel like is that if I can give someone a shortcut so that they can get this information quicker and learn from it quicker and get the benefits quicker, then that makes my job all the more worthwhile. Like I said, I see everyone from people who are struggling with fertility, people who are struggling with their energy and mood, men, women, menopause. And although balancing the hormones is really key, I hope what you've heard from my story is that it's not all about just taking hormones all the time. It's also about looking at your lifestyle, managing your stresses, looking at supplements, carving in time for yourself. And the most important thing, of course, is self-compassion. I hope you've enjoyed hearing a bit about my hormone story. And I look forward over the next weeks sharing patient stories with you and hearing from real people telling their real stories about their hormones. And I hope you can get some benefit from it. Thanks very much for listening. 